It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to fill you in on some of the latest draft rumors, the chatters, the rumblings, things that I've been hearing over the last week or two. And this is from conversations with different agents, with players, and even some team personnel. So you can find out who's ducking who. Nah, I won't, I won't do that. I won't put out the names of the guys that I hear have been running and ducking certain matchups, but you will hear about whose name is on the rise. And I have some info on some teams that are expected to be active around draft day. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you are a first time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked on all right i was out for a few days i was traveling i was in atlanta i actually went to overtime to the overtime elite facility it was my first time in the building and i was impressed i liked the facility i didn't get a chance to do a full tour simply because the i didn't give them like a uh enough notice and it's kind of like i just kind of showed up randomly booked the ticket late but i got a chance to see the facility and I mean, it's a dope facility right there in the city, Midtown, and just the number of players that you just see coming in and out, I was impressed with. I saw Sharif Cooper, I saw Kyra Lewis. I got a chance to watch the Thompson Twins work out. Um, there was a, a, quite a few other players. Um, I saw Wendell Carter, I saw Anthony Edwards. And what's funny is I saw Anthony Edwards. He was coming in while I was leaving to go grab something to eat. And it, I noticed he had a WME hoodie, and I thought it was weird because... Anthony signed with Clutch. I reached out to to some some uh, friends of mine that that work for WME's big time agency. It was formerly known as BDA, and I was like, "Hey, I just saw Anthony wearing a, a WME sweatshirt," and he kind of laughed and he was like, "Yeah, I don't know what Anthony's gonna do." And then, not even 24 hours later, I see it's reported that um, Anthony Edwards left Clutch and signed with WME. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I mean, if I was like, I don't know, a, a media guy that was really, you know, um, adamant about being first and, and kind of breaking different stories, then that could have been something that I broke, but it, it didn't even cross my mind. I just thought it was really weird. But anyway, let's talk about some of the the topics that I've heard from speaking with different agents and players over the past few weeks. This is my first time really doing a a draft rumors episode. All right, let's 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 start with Julian Phillips. I've heard that Julian Phillips has been impressive 
and there are some teams that are really intrigued with his upside. He didn't have like the greatest year on paper at Tennessee, and there was definitely a lot of speculation that he wasn't happy. And I guess you can assume that is true because he put his name in the transfer portal. But he tested well at the combine. I think he had the highest um, standing vertical leap and, and vertical leap and measured with a good wingspan. Teams are already intrigued with his defensive upside and potential. So he has potentially played himself or put himself in position to be a first round in the late first round. So Julian Phillips is a guy whose stock is on the rise. Bilal Koulibaly, and I've talked about Bilal at length in multiple episodes, I think that there is a chance that Bilal could go in the top 10 now. And I saw his teammate Victor Wimbayama posted a tweet that he thought he should go in the top five. But this guy's trajectory over the past 18 months has been ridiculous. And then you could even break it down the trajectory and the improvements that he's made since October. I mean, it's just been off the charts. I can't think of a time where I saw someone make so many improvements in such a short amount of time. It was not on any radars at this time last year. Even when I went to watch him play in, in France earlier this year, he was playing on the under-21 team. Did good. I mean, he looked really good. I can't say he didn't, but he looked like a fish out of water when he was playing with the senior club. And I guarantee you, most people don't even remember his minutes when the Metropolitans came to play the G League Ignite earlier this year. And now he is making key plays in playoff games. Like the Mets, the Metropolitans 92, they are headed to the French Pro A-League Finals. Which is crazy considering that two of their top rotation guys are a 19 and an 18-year-old. That just does not happen in Europe and Europe is a place where developmental minutes don't come easy for young prospects. If you are 18 or 19 years old and you are playing in Europe, that means you are better than the guy ahead of you. They, they don't care about what you're going to be in three years or five years. If you are 18 and the guy that's 26 is better than you, the guy that's 26 is going to play ahead of you. In the NBA, it's a little different. Teams are more so invested in your long-term potential depending on where, where you're drafted. So with Koulibaly... For him to go from being out of the team's rotation to being trusted with on-ball decision-making and, 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 and being able to make plays, I think that he could end up in the top 10, which, I mean, I thought I was being very aggressive putting him in the lottery, but I think he can go in the top 10. Like, the biggest rumors are, you know, maybe the Thunder like him, the Toronto likes him, but I'm hearing that maybe even Utah could have some interest in him at number nine. I've heard it from multiple sources that if Utah were to take him at number nine, they think that they would be able to get one of the point guards that, that they may be targeting with their second pick at number 16. Because if you look at the latest mocks, I mean, it's between Cason Wallace, Anthony Black, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Nick Smith, Keontae George. Not all of those guys are going to go in the top 10. So there's a really good chance that one of those guys falls to Utah at 16. Again, I've heard this from multiple people. Again, this is just what I've heard. I can't confirm, but if Utah doesn't think they can get Koulibaly at 16, but if they get him at 9, they may be able to get one of the point guards that they like at 16. Another big-time 
rumor that I'm hearing, I guess it's like very well known that the Houston Rockets and James Harden could be reuniting this summer. It all started when Harden, I mean, the rumor started before, but Harden declined like a $35 million um, option in his contract to be a free agent. And he's expected to sign like a four-year deal worth up to $200 million. I mean, I, you know how crazy that is? Like, I remember when $100 million over like eight years was just considered like crazy. Like everybody was just, oh my gosh, where's the game going? Guys are making too much money. Now we're talking about guys getting $200 million over four years in their early 30s. I mean, there is a lot of money going around in the NBA. So the big question is, if Houston decides to bring Harden back, or Harden decides to go to Houston, how does that impact their draft? And I've actually been told that it doesn't. If, if Houston likes Amon Thompson or Soar Thompson, then that's who they're going to go with. To me, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to bring Harden back, then I think Cam Whitmore is the guy. And if you're going to sign Harden to a four-year deal, he's going to have the ball in his hand. He's going to be your primary ball handler. And I, I just don't know how I feel about Amon Thompson coming off the ball. But anyway, I would go with Cam Whitmore. I'm not high on Cam Whitmore. And I think that he's, what, two years younger? I mean, he may not be as athletic, but he is probably, you know, in most drafts, would be considered the most athletic. And though he doesn't have the the same, like, natural instincts as a passer and decision maker, I think he's a, a better shooter. But anyway, that's just me. But if I, from what I'm hearing at Houston, whether they get harder or not, they are going to draft one of the twins. But, here's, here, here's a big but. Pick number 20 is definitely in play for a trade, according to my, my people that I talked to. Houston does not want to add another 18 or 19-year-old to the roster. They are looking to win now. And not necessarily like forced to win, but they're looking to make some changes because... They're in the middle of the, well, they just finished the three, the worst three-year stretch in franchise history, and they want to be more competitive, and they have a bunch of young guys on the roster on rookie deals. They got like $60 million in cap space to spend this summer, and so for what I'm being told, even though they're working out a bunch of guys in that range at number 20, that is a pick that could be on the move, and I've also heard that even four and 20 could be on the move if there is a big, big name player that is disgruntled and that may be looking to change location. But to me, I think that's pretty unrealistic. All right, when we return, I'll cover a few more draft rumblings and rumors that I'm hearing about. But I want to talk to you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the sponsor of this episode. And we are two games down in the NBA Finals. So the very minimum is going to go five. So you got a short window. You got a few days to put yourself in position to become a millionaire. Because every day during the NBA Finals, one prize picks user will get a chance at becoming a millionaire. And all you have to do is place an entry. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. And whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get six picks correct... $1 million. 
five picks, 80,000. Four picks, 16,000. And the full details can be found at prizepicks.com million. But you must opt in to a link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. That means you could be a million there. And if you're wondering what is prize picks, all you do is you just pick two to six players. And if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers many projections on any sport that you watch. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, college football, college basketball for men's, women's, cricket, hockey, MMA, boxing, and more. And the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe. You get your money out quickly. And it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So all you have to do is download the PrizePix app. Go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user, you get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But you got to use the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, once again, big thanks to everybody that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day, whether it's your first, your second, just the fact that you were listening. I just wanted to give you a big thanks and a big shout out. And in tomorrow's episode, I have one of my co-hosts, either Leaf Tulane or Richard Stamen, and we are going to give you the best NBA draft coverage out. All right, let me get back to some of the rumors that I'm hearing. I talked about the Rockets. Now I want to talk about something that I tweeted about a few days ago. Duck season. Now Wu-Tang had a song, Wu-Tang Clan that is, had a song on Wu-Tang Forever called Duck Season. Now this isn't related to the song. But that's what's going on in the NBA pre-draft circles. Guys are ducking from other guys. And I get it. I I, I get it from two, from, from both... I'll just say this. I get it from the agent's perspective. As an agent, your job is to put your player in the best position to succeed. You don't want to put your your, your client in the position where he's looked where he's going to look overmatched in a workout. And I'll give you some examples of what I heard. A friend of mine told me when he went through the pre-draft process, he said he was a, a you know a good athlete, but he was more so 
of a one-on-one type score, a guy that could create his own shot. So he said in one workout, he worked out with a guy that was just more so like a raw athlete. So he said when they did like the vertical testing, this guy was touching the top of the square. I mean, just jumping out the gym. So when he did his his testing, he was not impressive at all because there was a guy that had a 48-inch vert. Then he said that he because he was more so of a scorer, he was in a workout with a guy that was like a spot-up shooter. And in this particular workout, they didn't do a lot of one-on-one drills or anything like that. So he felt like that particular team and that workout didn't give him the best position to like show that he was the better prospect. Then I've also heard of guys that in their workouts, not necessarily the player, but more so the agent understands that if a team is known for playing like one-on-one, two-on-two, or three-on-three, and you have like a guy that is just a really gifted scorer, you may not want your player to play against him because some guys like thrive in those situations. I remember hearing back in the day, like Tyreek Evans was punishing guys in workouts. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he went ahead of Steph Curry. And I've heard that there were some teams that were just like, just impressed. I mean, I can imagine Tyreek Evans is just a monster to defend in a one-on-one or a two-on-two workout. So some teams are influenced by that, but we know the game isn't two-on-two or three-on-three. So with all that being said, I've talked to multiple players and, you know, they'll send me their workout schedules, let me know who they're working out with, and then they'll tell me, oh, yeah, I got this guy on this date. And then I look up on Twitter, and there's only like four or five teams that actually post who's coming in to work out. And so I look and I'll see, wait a minute, this guy was supposed to work out on June 12th, but he just had a workout on June 2nd. I asked the player, like, what happened? It's like, he switched the schedule up. And then they'll tell me that there's some guys that have switched the schedule up multiple times that are totally avoiding them. So it's ducking season. And I tweeted about it, and uh, Kawhi Leonard's trainer, shout out to Clint Parks, he said something that was very interesting to me. And he said in, I think it was 2011, Derek Williams, who ended up going second in the draft, did not work out against Kawhi Leonard. Refused to work out against Kawhi Leonard. Well, Derek Williams went second in the draft. Kawhi went, I forgot where he went, at the back end of the lottery, I believe. But it, it makes sense. If Derek Williams goes one-on-one with Kawhi, even back then, this was before Kawhi was the Kawhi we know today. Kawhi's stock probably rises and Derek Williams maybe falls because imagine trying to go against Kawhi one-on-one in an individual drill. So I get it. I get why some guys are ducking and hiding. I know it's business as usual, but from the team perspective, I want to see these guys compete. Not saying that, you know, a one-on-one matchup is going to sway my decision, but I want to see who's competitive. I want to see I want to see the top guys go at each other. And that's why, if you just think about it, the whole Victor Wimbayama, Scoot Henderson game was just phenomenal. We had the top two prospects, did not care about protecting their draft stock. They went up against each other, not necessarily one-on-one, for the world to see in, in a game that meant absolutely nothing on the standings. So with that being said... I've been told that 
there is one particular player, I don't want to mention his name, because I can't confirm it's true or not, but he is in the, the first round range, back end of the lottery at best, but anywhere between 11 through 20, who is refusing to work out with anybody. He's only doing one on zero workouts. Now, it's not a guy that's projected to go in the top five. I could see if it was Wimbayama, Scoot, Brandon Miller. I could see that. But if you're going 11 through 20 and you're only doing one on zero workouts, what are you hiding? Are you just trying to protect your draft stock or are you hiding to get exposed? I'm not a big fan of that. And I spoke to one agent and he said he does not believe in ducking and hiding. He said for his clients, he wants them to go up against the best guys. He doesn't want guys that want to duck as he said, that, that, that don't want the smoke or want to duck other players. So with all that being said, it is definitely ducking season. I'm not going to call out names, but I have seen multiple players workout schedule. And again, they, they, it could change because maybe the team decided to change it up. They wanted the guy to come in on another day. But I have seen multiple players workout schedules where the matchup that they were looking for that we thought or we as in like, not not we as in like me, I'm on their team, but just the matchup that I would have liked to see or I thought the team put them together for a really competitive workout ends up not happening. So that is very interesting. And then I want to talk about the Boston Celtics. Every single player that I've talked to has had a workout with the Boston Celtics. Now, I don't know what Boston is trying to do, but based off of my numbers or whatever, not my numbers, but based off of, you know, what I'm seeing, Boston, their 29th pick is going to the, the Pacers. They have a pick at 35, and that's it. They have a pick at 35, but they have, like, the widest range. I mean, there are guys that I think can go in the lottery that have said they've worked out for, for Boston, so Boston is casting a wide net. So maybe Boston is a team that's going to be active in trades. All right, when we return, I'll talk about a few more rumors or rumblings, chatter that I'm hearing related to the 2023 NBA draft. I'll be right back. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, last segment. Just want to get into it. All right, um, here's another thing that I heard that was pretty interesting, that was funny to me, and I've reported that the Thunder have an interest in Bilal Koulibaly, but I've been told not so fast. So you will never, ever, ever know what Sam Presti is thinking. Now, while Koulibaly may fit what the Thunder are known for drafting, it was like Sam will never 
tip his hat and I mean I've went on to hear stories about how agents have said they had a meeting with Sam and they were in like a different city and then he'll pick like the most obscure restaurant or place to do the interview so I thought that was pretty interesting and then speaking of Oklahoma City Thunder the Thunder are rumored to be one of the teams that is well I shouldn't say that let me say this the Thunder are rumored or picked, or many people think the Thunder are the team that have given Bobby Clintman a promise. Now, Bobby Clintman is from Wake Forest, 6'10", wing, can handle, can shoot, can pass. Didn't have big numbers, only five points per game. But he opted not to participate in the NBA draft. And from what I hear, he's not working out for anybody. So everybody is under the impression that he has a promise. A lot of people think it's the Thunder. Now with the Thunder, they have pick. They have a pick in the lottery at number 12, and then their next pick isn't until 37. So unless Clintman is going to the Thunder, I can't see them taking him at 12, even though Sam Presti has the guts to pick whoever he likes whenever he wants. I don't think that's realistic that he'll go 12. 37, which is a pick they got from the Wizards. I mean, that's believable. But then there are others that believe that the Indiana Pacers, a team that has three picks in the first round, picks number 29, 26, and number 7, and then they also have pick number 32 in the second round. Some believe that the Pacers may be the team that have given Bobby Clintman a promise because they have four of the first 32 picks. But also I've heard that Indiana is not expected to bring four rookies into training camp, so that could be interesting. But Bobby Clintman is a guy that is like the biggest, one of the biggest mysteries, I should say. But I talked to one agent, and he thinks that if Clintman has a promise and he decides to shut it down, if he's not drafted high it's a mistake he feels like that Clintman is someone that would shine in workouts because he's 6'10 he can shoot how fluid he is and he just thinks that Clintman could go higher than wherever he's projected to go in these I mean basically he's saying if the Pacers or the Thunder have given him a promise the highest that he's likely to go would be 26 and this agent believes that Bobby could go higher than 26 if he just went through the whole pre-draft process. Now, maybe the Thunder and the Pacers aren't the teams that have given him a promise, but it seems pretty risky that he would take a promise, unless he's just comfortable with, with um, whatever this team is selecting. And speaking of being comfortable, I want to talk about the NIL and how it had a big impact on players withdrawing from the NBA draft at the deadline last week. To me, the biggest surprise is Dylan Mitchell. I thought Dylan had done enough, and the way teams have been drafting on upside and potential, I thought Dylan could be a late first-round pick, early second. Adem Bona, I mean, he was injured, so he didn't get a chance to really play or do anything at the Combine, but he's someone that I thought could be in the 40s, Deron Holmes, I thought he could end up as a top 40 pick. I had him as a first-rounder most of the season. Coleman Hawkins is a guy that has drawn some interest. I've even heard from agents that there were teams that were, like, begging the players, hey, stay in the draft. You're going to get drafted. Or, you know, at the minimum, 
you get a two-way. But a lot of players chose to stay in school. Um, Reese Beekman chose to stay, Judah Mintz, Kevin McCullough Jr., Trey Alexander, Zach Eating, Arthur Kaluma, even though he's in the transfer portal, we don't know where he's going. Dylan Jones, Grant Nelson is the name that, that chose to go back to school. But from what I've been hearing, and I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I've talked about it on different podcasts. NIL is a game changer. I've heard rumors of guys getting up to like a million dollars in NIL money. I've heard 700000 I've heard 700000 a car. I mean, some guys are driving G-Wagons. Some guys are driving Porsches. And it does somewhat make sense. Do I take a two-way? Or do I stay in school where I know I'm going to get 30 minutes per game, 25, 30 minutes per game? I'm going to be the man or whatever, and I'm going to get paid more than guys would on a two-way deal. So it's making things tricky, but one player mentioned that you're just not going to get better at practice. He felt like practice is where you can really develop and get better, and he felt like it's just better to practice in the G League or the NBA and get better. And there are some that feel like, you know, staying in school, taking the NIL money is more so like a short-sighted decision because long-term, the older you are entering the draft, the harder it is for you to get drafted. But one of the biggest factors is, and I've heard this from multiple agents and even players, is that a lot of people feel like the 2024 NBA draft class is weak. And why be a fringe first-rounder in 2023? When you can go and make 500, 700, maybe even a million dollars in NIL, improve your draft stock and be a first rounder in 2024. So that is the gamble that quite a few players have decided to take. But here's a quote from an agent that really caught my attention. He says, everyone wants to be a first round pick and they think it's a guarantee next season because next year is not a strong class. But every year a guy comes around out of nowhere and surprises people. I mean, we've seen it happen. I mean, just think about this year, the guys that have come out of nowhere and that are going to be first-round picks. Taylor Hendricks, Bryce Sensenball, you could say Kobe Bufkin is one of those guys that's come out of nowhere, and Noah Clowney. So it can't happen. But another agent mentioned, and I'm just going to read some of the quote here. He says, it's tough to convince a guy who's projected around picks 40 through 60 to turn down that type of money. But in some cases, it's a short-term decision because it's going to be even harder to get drafted at 22 or 23. NIL is a big game changer, but there's one player that I want to talk about in particular who is rumored to have a massive NIL deal, and that's Jordan Walsh. And I heard that Jordan Walsh was expected to have a huge NIL deal. I heard a million dollars. I don't know how true it is. I heard Arkansas had a huge collective of like four to five million dollars to spread around their players. I don't know how true that is, but Jordan Walsh feels comfortable with his draft position. He opted to stay in school. And another name that I heard that Arkansas was hot on was Ron Holland. Ron Holland is, depending on who you ask, the number one player in this class. In the 2023 high school class, some people think that he's going to be a top five pick in 2024. The rumor is is that he was going to sign with Arkansas after um, committing to Texas. It didn't happen. Texas didn't let him out of his NLI, National Letter of Intent. Again, this is just what I heard. And he decided to play for the G League Ignite. Now, the G League Ignite is going to be loaded next year. I'm curious to see how they keep all of those guys happy. 
I mean, there's a lot of overlapping skill sets. There's Matas, Bazoulas, I think I pronounced that right. ESPN has him as the number one guy in 2024. You got Ronald Holland. You got London Johnson, who played this past season, who was really good. You have Chris Smith from Overtime Elite that just signed with um, the Ignite. So there, it's going to be quite a few miles to feed. And I think I'm missing someone else. Oh, Dink Pate from Dallas, a 6'8 point guard. It's just going to be very, very interesting to see how all those guys develop with the Ignite. But the Ignite have done a great job. I think this is, what, their third year. And they've had a lottery pick in every year, multiple first-rounders in every year. And so next year, I wonder, can they get four? Even this year, they may be able to get between City Sissoko, Leonard Miller, Scoot Henderson. They may be able to get three guys in the first round this year. And speaking of Leonard Miller, I'm hearing that Leonard Miller has a floor possibly at 23. And so Leonard Miller uh, can go, I'm hearing anywhere between 16 through 23. So that is a good sign for Leonard Miller. And lastly, I want to talk about a matchup that I have been hearing. Two guys that aren't ducking. I hear that Casey Wallace and Nick Smith, they matched up in Toronto. And if the schedule goes according to plan, they're going to face off and go against each other in Washington and maybe even Utah, maybe New Orleans, and maybe Dallas. That's just what I'm hearing. Well, that wraps up this episode, just giving you a little bit of tidbits and nuggets that I've been hearing from around the way. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, the director scout for NBA Big Board, and I am out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.